0: You're about to enjoy this replay of the of UCF Live brought to you by Dariga, matching your company with the right talent. Today, I want to talk more about Dariga, a company that's revolutionizing the way businesses tackle one of their most critical challenges, finding the right talent. Dariga stands out for the groundbreaking approach to recruitment, which is really more like matchmaking. They also have deep rooted ties to UCF, Ray Bazzi, their founder, is a UCF alum who actually started the company based on a class project during his MBA program. Also, their commitment to UCF runs deep. 95% of their employees are UCF graduates. Many companies turn to Doriga, and you should too. To find out more, go to nightrecruiting.com. That's night with a K to learn more about Doriga. Doriga, matching your company with the right talent.
1: Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trace Truco alongside Adam Eaton. Welcome in to Sons of UCF Live. Adam, I missed you last week.
0: Trace, I missed you as well. I missed all of you out there. I'm glad to be back for another week. And I do want to update the audience. I was challenged on a recent show to grow a soul patch. This is the best I can do right now. Trace <laughs> has the mustache. I'm working the soul patch here. You probably can't notice it, but I I'm living up to my part of the uh the funny Sons of UCF facial hair agreement.
1: <laughs> I missed that. Uh, was that on this show or was that on the pod at this challenge? Uh, uh,
0: there was this show. I got it. was a comment, uh, I think it was oh, Dolly okay. or Clay or somebody. Yeah. So soul patch in full yeah. effect. Now it's only here for tonight. It's getting shaved off after the show because I look ridiculous with it. But I figured I'd, I'd try that. I tried a mustache for the weekend and it just, yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> No, 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 Um,
1: I got it. I got a story for you. So I'm leaving the basketball availability. I'm an Oviedo about McCulloch. And here's my question for you. What falls out of the sky in front of my car as I'm driving?
0: Ooh, I'm going to go with a, uh, give me a traffic light.
1: Large fish (laughs) just ahead of me. I see, I, I see this fish fall out of the sky. Huge huge fish. And I was like, I, you know, I didn't need to swerve. I just kept going and it was underneath mm. the car. But as some bird of prey must have <laughs> dropped lunch at one thirty. Uh, That's unfortunate. McCulloch and Oviedo, but it was... Uh, rest,
0: in, rest in power.
1: It was uh, thro- threw me off a little bit, uh,
0: but I figured you'd appreciate
1: that anytime we <laughs> deviate. I've never
0: heard anyone tell a story where a fish fell out of the sky. So that is <laughs> that is a first February 22nd, 2024. I'm putting it in my personal record book right now.
1: Honest to goodness. Um, a big boom. Bigger than any boom, uh, certainly the ones we hear from Gus Malzahn on the recruiting trail, uh, Record setting pledge formally uh, makes news this Thursday. How about UCF alum Taylor Garing's pledge of $5.5 million to athletics? Hey, another million to the Kingdom NIL, largest gift in athletics department history. Pretty big
0: yeah i mean look we've been talking for years about how other schools have that kind of that whale of a donor that uh you know helps out you know you think about t boone pickens and some other folks obviously taylor's probably a little bit behind t boone and and career earnings here but it's it's cool to have somebody that is willing to make this kind of commitment to ucf obviously there's many of things that one could probably do with 6.5 million dollars and to uh, to bequeath that to UCF and continue his, uh, his 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 support of UCF, and I think a lot of people who don't know, you know, maybe Taylor's name isn't familiar, but he's someone who's been donating for a while. He's been, you know, he's been a supporter for a long time. He's been supporting the kingdom, so this isn't out of the left field. He's been a big supporter for a long time, and to see that these these level of gifts, I mean. You talk about game changers, Trace. I mean, this this could be the start of maybe, uh, uh, hopefully, a boon of individuals out there that have the ability to to donate at some level like this. But um, you know, in today's day and age, it's an arms race, and the five five is obviously going to get us a, uh, the Taylor A. Gearing Football Facility Building, but the the one mill the Kingdom is obviously going to be important as well. So, first off, just congrats and thanks to Taylor for for such a big commitment. Uh, and uh, I'm curious to see how how UCF puts it to use. But super cool to see somebody like Taylor, an alum you know, giving back, and uh, it, it could be one of those days we look back on and say this was kind of the start, hopefully, of, of UCF, you know, being, building things in the Big 12. Literally, actually.
1: 2005 alum. Uh, his bio includes blockchain pioneer and and uh, good luck explaining that to uh, those that don't follow that. Co-founder of the Ethereum Foundation. What he said that I thought was interesting is that he hopes it opens up the door, obviously, for other uh, gifts, but also for more UCF alums. A lot of the, the money that has been associated with UCF are from people while fans of athletics and the university are not alums. So, you know, uh, as you mentioned, T-Boom Pickens, uh, you know, Fertitta and Houston, uh, you know, he's got some money. Um, I don't always understand this cryptocurrency and all that he's involved in, so cash the check, Terry Bahadur, but they've, they've got some cool new renderings out there.
0: I love, I love a good rendering. Uh, Mario wonders if it's 5.5 million in renderings, but listen, it's, it's exciting to, to finally be in the cusp of we've been waiting for an opportunity to sort of get in the game, quote unquote, with some of the facilities that you're seeing out there in the big 12. I think, you know, Terry Mahajer and UCF have been very upfront about the fact that they are behind in many cases. And, you know, it takes a, an influx of a donation like this, I think to help get you caught up a little bit. Now here's the challenge. It's an arms race. So as soon as we, we dump five, five into a building, you know, Fertitta is going to dump another 2 million in something else and Kansas will find somebody. Right. So it's a continuing arms race, which is the, the unfortunate you know, reality of college athletics right now is, is, you know, you need to be in your, your alumni and your donors pockets all the time for these kind of things. But um, I, I don't, I think we should just celebrate the fact that Taylor has stepped up and again, 6.5 is a, is a healthy, healthy commitment to UCF athletics. And, uh, and as a, as a fellow alum, I just, I offer an applause to Taylor and a, and a heartfelt thank you for, um, his his willingness to, uh, to give back to the program.
1: A million of that, of course, to the kingdom. And he himself has said, you know, not really the biggest fan of the way it is being played out right now, but yeah. this is the game. And he wants UCF to be competitive in that. Speaking of the game, a lot of changes being discussed in college football. Uh, you know, one of those coming Thursday, SEC, always in the mix, the SEC, as the SEC goes and says, uh, everybody else follows. But wanting to uh, move the early signing period, I agree with them on this, uh, to the Wednesday before conference championship games, basically making December a dead period. When you look at what's happened now, we talked about National Signing Day as an afterthought, right? UCF released all the transfers uh, and made them available in the in national signing days period. Right. But you've got that, you've got bowl prep, you've got the wind down of the season, too many things are happening. So this seems like a change that is going to have coaches and athletic uh, administrators behind.
0: Yeah. I mean, Gus has talked about this a lot, you know, something's got to give with this calendar, right. With, you know, especially for teams who are in bowl games, it almost felt like you were being punished because you're trying to prepare for a bowl practice yet. You're trying to be on the road securing recruits. There's last minute flips that are coming in. Right. So it's almost felt like you were being punished if you had a bowl game. I think last year, what UCF had to do, it's, it's, early Sunday press conference at some random Marriott hotel ballroom in Tampa because they were there for the Gasparilla Bowl, right? So I think this helps coaches, I think, solidify that class, understands, you know, what your transfer portal looks like. I also read that article, Trace, I don't know how true this is, but there was another movement, and I don't know if this is SEC-driven, it seems like that would be the – the, the impetus to do any change in college football right now is having, um, having transfer portal guys sign letters of intent, which is not something to do today. So something like that was also on the table. And, and I, I like, I think at this point, we're going to talk about some of this other stuff at, at you know, at, at length here in a few seconds, but, you know, college football and college athletics are just void of a real strong leadership position. And I, I think it's good to see that coaches feedback and coaches uh, perspectives are being taken into account, um, and and that there's some some voice that's being lent to making changes that are for the positive. But, um, you know, I think with the way the system is right now, there's so many things you could look at, so many changes that could be made that it's hard to know how, what impact this will have until it really goes into effect.
1: Of course, UCF has been in Gasparilla Bowl, Military Bowl. They would have avoided that if they had played in a later bowl game. Right. Uh, hopefully. Details, yeah. details.
0: Yeah, <laughs> hopefully
1: that opportunity comes. Uh, being in the Big 12 contending. And, of course, they're already uh, tinkering with the uh, postseason now. They can never leave well enough alone. You know, one of the things we talked about was the discussion of a two-minute warning. We talked about that on Around the Kingdom. And, and then they're talking about changing this playoff format. This is why you study what works so well in the NFL with record-setting audiences year-over-year year, and college football still screwing around with the playoff format uh, going to go from 12 talking about 14. Greed gets in the way again of what could be just a good format with home games on college campuses, still trying to shoehorn these bowl games into it. What do you make of it? What would be your preferred uh, format? 12, 14, 16, more uh, than that, perhaps.
0: I honestly don't know, Trace. Let me see the five plus seven. Like it's literally only a week old and we're already talking about scrapping it. It hasn't even taken form on any playing field at this point in time yet. So let me see what that looks like. Let me see how that feels, how that works. I know there's going to be quirks. There's always Notre Dame to figure out. Um, and obviously, the you know, the, the, I already read an article where people were talking about the the bowl director guy. So the head of all the bowls, his name escapes me, but I'm sure he's really important. He basically said, hey, the, the first round of games is supposed to be on campus. And he's already kind of positioning with, well, I wonder if we'll change that after after a while and, and go to those first bowls in that first round. So everyone's posturing for position. Everyone's politicking for their particular angle. And again, I say it. This is where college athletics is void of some sort of a leader that can can make decisions unilaterally. And again, you can hate commissioners of conferences all you want. You can hate Adam Silver. You can hate Roger Goodell. That's fine. But they're at least a single authority voice in their in their leagues, respectively. And they're going to make decisions with the best, you know, the best impact. Here's the thing about 14, Trace. Think about this for a second. So in a 14 team playoff, which is essentially the, the NFL model, right? You're probably going to do this. You're going to have two buys, right? And the rest of the teams are going to play. Which two conferences do you think are going to get those buys every year? Mm. SEC and, Big Ten, right? no. SEC and Big Ten are going to get those buys every year. So you're going to have maybe a Big 12 conference championship like a UCF who's going to win their conference championship, be the third seed and have to go play now another game on top of winning their conference championship game and have to now sweep the playoffs in order to win a national championship where the SEC and the Big Ten school will get that week off. Right. So I think there's already disadvantages from that standpoint. Um, but it, it sucks that let me see the 12 team model on the, on the field first before I opine on a, on a 14 team model. Maybe it will work. Maybe it's great. I don't know. But we're already changing things to change things. And you said it perfectly. A lot of short-sighted, short-term decisions are being made right now and they're being made in the auspices of money and and and, and inclusion. Who's thinking about five, 10 years down the road and what this impact has? Nobody is. And that's where I think you need somebody to step in and be that person, be the leader to make these decisions. And think not just about who's going to put money in their pockets in 2025, but what's this going to look like in 2030 when, you know, you can't unseat some of the changes that took place. The best
1: postseason they have is March Madness for basketball, and they want to mess around with that format, too. <laughs> they want to get rid of, you know, uh, some of the auto bids and, and they, they, it's constant. Change is, is the hallmark of college athletics, but sometimes they don't we, leave well enough alone, right? FCS model has the home schools hosting. It seems to work out just fine for them, right? Again, they're still trying to shoehorn things into the bowls and what about the student athletes? When are they taking these classes during the month of December when week after week, is another round of playoffs and bowl games. And I know UCF Mike has talked about this. How do you go to all of these things? Unless you're Taylor and yeah. <laughs>
0: you can fly week. Taylor, after week. fire up the jet, buddy. We'll meet you at the, <laughs> at the tarmac. We'll be there. How many seats are on that
1: private plane? Uh, uh, but how hard would that be? If, and, and you know, we'll, we'll worry about that problem for UCF when it's finding itself uh, in, in a round of playoffs and the Rose bowl. And then the next week in the orange bowl and you know, traveling all over the country, but, when are the students going to do their classwork and work on their finals and
0: uh, i'm trying hard not to laugh at you as you say that Joyce, because i think everyone out there is going to have that cynical thing around like th- these kids aren't going to class i mean i know that they are right but i think everyone have that cynical Some of them are and they're going to be like yeah i saw some some 4.0s on that football team that's impressive uh but listen i, I think if, if if you put a pie chart of the things that are important to the college athletics world, I, I think academics would have the smallest slice. I wonder um, we have Ben Hazel in the, in the, in the waiting room. I wonder what he would say to that, but I think academics would have the smallest slice of the college athletics pie, if I had to guess.
1: Yeah. Well, you mentioned Ben. we're going to talk men's basketball. And now a little bit Knights uh, in the midst of a four game losing streak, Uh, A tough one at home in Cincinnati. And then, you know, we looked at that Cincinnati, West Virginia uh, game on the road is a chance to pick up some wins and and the Knights drop those now in the midst of a four game losing streak again, close, but uh, they get off to a rough start in uh, Morgantown and and, and they never they can never catch up.
0: Yeah, it just seems like there's something every night, right? Either either shooting is off (laughs) like you saw against West Virginia, rebounding is off, you know, one or two possessions on defense where a guy gets past you. Darius Johnson probably got hit on that last play. Maybe earned some free throws. You don't get a call, right? There's one thing that seems to, to bite UCF in every game, and it just might be the growing pains, Trace, of being in the Big 12, and you're taking your lumps in year one, just like football took their lumps in year one. ELO brought this up on Around the Kingdom. Volleyball took their lumps in year one in the conference this could just be the lump-taking portion of the schedule, mm-hmm. but it feels like there's one thing every game where you go, man, if you just make three more threes, we're in this. Man, if DJ gets that foul call, gets to the line, we're in this. If we just get that one stop, we're there, right? And it just seems like there's one thing every game, and you know, this is probably the learning curve of getting to a new conference and battling night in and night out. Um, I haven't around the uh, kingdom clip of play earlier. I don't want to spoil what Elo says, but he makes a really great point about this particular year's schedule for UCF basketball.
1: Yeah. Uh, tough schedule. Uh, it gets tougher down the stretch here. I give credit to Darius Johnson, 29 points in Morgantown against West Virginia. He steps up, he answers all of the questions. He's very good at the mic. And I asked him if he's just getting tired of talking about losing.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely tough, um, especially losing four straight. Um, definitely not something that
0: we want to do, and especially losing on the road, you know, uh, winning on the road is tough, you know, when it gets the opposing team in their territory, um, but you know, you still expect to be able to pull out a few of those wins. And I feel like we should have pulled out a few of those wins on the road. Now they've got the
1: win over Texas on the road. They have dropped the rest, some, of course, close. And if you're going to do that, you have to protect the home court. That has been a mixed bag for the Knights in Big 12 play. That You know, the big wins, Kansas, Oklahoma come to mind, obviously, but they've dropped other close games. And according to Johnny Dawkins, this is not yet another must-win game Saturday hosting Texas Tech. Every game you say is a must-win, with the team struggles on the road, how much more magnified is must-win protecting the home court?
0: And very, very important, very important to, to protect our home court because, as you mentioned, you know, road wins are tough to come by in this conference. I mean, not just for us, but most teams. So we have to make sure that you know, we defend our home court, and that gives us a chance to go out on the road and, you know, and try to get a win. But we have to defend our home court to the best of our ability.
1: Like that hoodie coach Dawkins.
0: Well, wow, you like that hoodie, Trace. You're in for a surprise because our friend Ben Hazel oh, rocking the team life issued. Nice hoodie right there.
1: Uh, ben, how do I, How do you get me one of those? I'd love to show off an impressor when one
3: of
1: those and <laughs> I kind of the I, I had to finesse one of my
4: own, so I don't know if I can <laughs> run it back for you. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> uh, ben, welcome in. Um, what is most frustrating about this stretch of games for you?
4: I mean, if you're a basketball fan, you always like offense, right? So that's probably the most frustrating. It's like, man, we just, I mean, we 320, we rank 320th in the country field goal percentage. There's only 360 teams. It's like, I know Coach Dawkins is probably looking like, I know I focus on defense, but like, if I put my staff out there, we probably could get a little bit higher up on the, on the ranking as far as field goal percentage is concerned. So that's probably the most frustrating. I mean, I I feared that we would kind of fall into this little circle of uh, doing just enough to lose.
5: Mm. And
1: That's
4: just it's it's an unfortunate thing to see so far. I asked
1: Darius, I asked Coach Dawkins, and I texted with you during the last game. uh, They just keep firing up threes and they're not going in. And even after the game, uh, Coach Dawkins said, we threw up too many threes. We have to settle into our offense, play our game. And but, but yet it happened. Nine of 38 uh, in a 10 point loss. I know a couple of those make it. And everybody thinks they can make it. But when it's not working, don't you have to do something different?
4: Yeah, I mean, probably just piggybacking on the offense and why it's so disappointing. <laughs> I mean, really, when you when you look at it, you're like, who's kind of responsible for this? Like, why can't we? Because you always ask me that question in the games. Why can't we start better? can we start better? <laughs> you know, you must like,
1: be getting my text messages. So <laughs> like. what, what,
4: what I'm asking, like, I, I asked myself the same thing. Like, why can't we start better, right? Like, if you watch the games, I know you have to be wondering it. Um, it's no secret. And all those games that we talk about, like, yes, we make them close at the end, but we're always clawing back from these big deficits. And why is that? And that's something I put on the responsibility of the players. Like, I know Darius had a really good game. But, I mean, just with our team performances, like, I really can't avoid the criticism for any one person. Like we're not turning the ball over, but it just looks like guys are just going through the motion. Like we stand a ton. So you'll see a lot of possessions where Darius passes it and just kind of stands. Jalen passes it and stands. We don't have any communication amongst leaders. Like when you're playing a game in the second half of the season, it's more about who are the X's and who are the O's, not about the X's and O's because we know the plays. We know what you're going to run when we go zone. We know what you're going to run when we go man. You might put in something to get you a point here (laughs) point or two here and there out of out of bounds or something like that but it's not something you're doing throughout the entire game the players need to figure it out hey we ran this play they jumped it now we're gonna do this that's not a call that coach makes that's something that the players discuss on the court so we do a good job communicating defensively but we don't talk at all offensively we just run the play and then everybody just kind of wonders like it doesn't work and then we just kind of try to put our head down and drive it and it's like this is where that maturity tries to sh- has to show up again in the second half of the season.
0: Ben, it's been a rough couple of weeks to be the president of the Ibrahima Diallo fan club. here's a here's a fun fact for you. The last 10 games, first 5 of those 10, he had 44 total rebounds. The last 5, he's at 16. And yeah, he missed a game in that stretch though so to be fair, but 44 and 16 is quite a split. What are you seeing with Ibrahima? Is it is it is it him? Is it the way defenses and teams are adjusting to him? What do you what do you attribute to the sort of the decline, I guess, especially in the rebounding battle for Ibrahima?
4: So I had the same discussion with B.J. Taylor, right? Like, yo, we were talking about the game. Who deserves some blame? Um, and that was actually one area that I kind of laid off. I know the points and the rebounds might be a little bit off, but that the rebounds part is scouting report changes, right? So in a zone, you would think that we can offensive rebound, but they know one person they're going to box out when they go zone is Ibrahima Diallo, <laughs> right? So you know that's been a point of emphasis. But I mean, the way that they're protecting the rim, like it's the only way we score It's like they block a shot is one of the only ways that we can really turn in some offense. Like they start transition breaks. Him and Omar um, are really a formidable, formidable duo. So, you know, I kind of lay off Ibrahima. I mean, we really would love to have him offensive rebound. But it's like I, I mean, my boy is not getting many touches either. So I know it's really, really tough for him.
0: But how, how tough is it as a coach, right? I know we've talked a lot about who that third consistent score is, right? Some nights has been Shamari, Antoine Jones has had some nights, Chi-Chi's had some nights. How, how difficult is a coach to like go into a game and not yet and really know who's going to be that third guy and have to sort of, sort of figure it out let the game flow in. But before you know who that third guy is, how, how challenging is that as a coach?
4: It, I don't know if it's challenging, it's frustrating, right? So, One thing that you have with all these coaches is they understand what it takes to earn time Mm -hmm. to be successful on the court and kind of how you have to approach it. And, And that also requires some competition amongst your teammates. So when one guy is not playing that well, you hope that the guy behind him is motivated that, hey, if I could just come in and make a few shots or get a few stops to really help our team win, I will now get those minutes. But nobody seems to necessarily kind of grasp that concept like, hey, if I do that in practice and in the games consistently, those minutes will then officially become mine. So I I don't know why it's not necessarily translating just yet or anybody's truly grasped the concept. But I mean, there's a lot of opportunities for a lot of guys like Thier- uh, Thierno Silla, right? Like if he's like, hey, man, if I just committed to making two shots and getting – about five rebounds, maybe a block in there, no bad turnovers. He yeah, would and one miss- less
0: and one less technical foul too, by the way.
4: Yeah, so, yeah less <laughs> you know, excluding the headbutts. Um <laughs> <laughs> he would play a ton more, right? But those little things just get overlooked. Like we have a lot, it seems like guys are I want to go from hey, like I'm not necessarily playing that. I want to earn my minutes through now. I go for 25. And it's like you don't even need to do that.
1: I thought with the Knights at four and five and they were going to see teams a second time that that would be an advantage for UCF. And so far that has not worked out. What uh, each team is studying Texas Tech, studying UCF, the game since, the game they played. What kind of adjustments would you like to see UCF make? That was a close game. I know it was a seven point final, but they went to the free throw line there in the last minute or so. But that was a two point game, one point game. What adjustments would you like to see the Knights make against Texas Tech that can put them over the top of this one?
4: Well, the number one thing that I want to see is more movement on offense. That's the number one adjustment that I want to see no matter what defense the other team is running. And I want us to be a lot more polished against the zone because we know it's coming. I'm surprised it took so long, but the way West Virginia committed to it and saw how much trouble it gave us, I know this will not be the last.
1: So UCF needs to do what then to counter that if they start to see that not only Saturday, but more of that down the stretch? Well, it's
4: like you said, right? We settled for a lot of jump shot in response to seeing a zone. We got to get downhill and we have to get to the basket. We have to be aggressive in everything that we do. We get tentative on offense. Like I said, just running that offense. Um, We need to see situations where we can break it off. We need to try to find mismatches. We need to be extremely active in hunting points. We don't necessarily have anybody besides a Jalen that kind of hunts it in that way where they're looking to try to make a play, whether it be to score, whether it be to set somebody up that leads to a score. Um, Because you see Darius sometimes where he gets in there and he jump stops like he got to the paint, but he kind of throws it out. But we never really got an advantage from that drive. Right. Like somebody that's really committed to consistently trying that and we're getting to the paint, getting downhill, whether it's zone or man. And then eventually that should turn into us being more successful at the free throw line. Um, it should open up more offensive rebounds. And then we can kind of turn to some of those wide open threes because they're going to come.
0: <laughs> ben, one of our uh, good friends of our show, Robert has, has a comment on screen here. CJ Walker hasn't seemed to be having an impact. How would you react to that statement around CJ Walker?
4: I mean, CJ's really just had a lot of trouble finding the flow. Uh, he's been really in and out of the, the lineup. Um, so that's kind of my, I guess his built-in excuse that he can kind of go to. Um, but yes, you're 100% right. We haven't really gotten much production from him, whether it even be something as simple as the rebounding space, which is something that he he typically contributes a lot more to. Uh, I think he's a little bit out of shape. Um, that's another area with being out that we're seeing affect him. But uh, if we could get less minutes from him with more production, I probably would prefer that. Uh, but he, got, he also kind of shoots those frustrating three pointers when he hasn't made a shot and it's kind of like that is another example of guys just really just trying to do whatever just because they necessarily haven't gotten a flow haven't gotten to touch it um so if guys can kind of get back to their roots I think that'll also help a cJ.
0: Take us to the to the mental side as a player, Ben. Obviously, losing four straight games, right? Things have obviously gone not not the way you want to. Guys like Trace are drilling. Darius Johnson in press conferences about losses. <laughs> what is what does that do as a player? Kind of the mental side of going through a losing streak, and how do you how do you kind of get out of that?
4: <laughs> well, it's tough. <laughs> I'm gonna let you know that it is tough. So typically in losing streaks, you probably have a few more meetings. Practices are a lot longer, and so is film. Um, practices are 10 times more intense and it's just really not as much fun, um, on that end, but nothing really changes, right? Like we're in the second half. So we're, we know we're trying to build for something bigger. Um, we know we're in the kind of that part of the season where being healthy and being fresh is important. Um, so it's not too crazy, but I would say the intensity around everything that you do is ratcheted up pretty much every single loss. Um, but, I think guys just really need to find some. It's hard because on offense, in order to be effective, you have to have some a certain level of calmness and being relaxed, which is tough as you miss shots and continue to kind of shoot a low percentage. Uh, but we need that. We need somebody that just kind of comes in with some calmness and some confidence, like, Hey, like I can, the team needs a guy to make a shot and I will be that guy. doesn't mean four shots, but when you get an open look, stepping up and, and knocking it down or making the right play
0: you've also spent a lot of time around coach Dawkins what what is his demeanor like you think right now is is he's trying to get his team out of the losing streak
4: Uh, I'll let you know it wasn't what it was at that uh press conference I'll let (laughs) you know that (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you it was not as Tom cool and collected it is fiery in there coach Dawkins um he's the ultimate competitor like like I said like he he wants to win in everything that he does so you know he wasn't that guy that even if we are a lower rank, that we play the number ones and the twos, even back in the, the American Conference days, he's still furious as if it was somebody we should have won by 20.
1: I can attest to that, Ben, that there have been times when we've showed up for media availability and practice is still going on on the arena floor. and. He is not the same Johnny Dawkins yeah. at the podium. Uh, we won't repeat any of what we heard, and we can't uh, on this live stream, but he heard He I'm these sure guys.
4: heard nothing but just encouragement. That's all it was. <laughs> yeah, encouragement in a different rapper.
1: Of uh, Texas Tech, uh, Iowa State, and Houston, those are the three remaining home games. this season has just flown by now with just five games on the regular season schedule. It does seem like Texas Tech is the best chance of winning. Uh, against a ranked opponent?
4: I mean, honestly, (laughs) you know, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, if we want to pick one, sure, we could go with Texas Tech. Uh, They're all extremely great defensive teams pretty much as we ratchet up each game. So Texas Tech is the lesser of the three evils because I think it'll be at least hopefully a good warm-up for us in the sense that we do play better offensively at home. So, you know, we shoot a better percentage, things like that. So hopefully that can kind of build. Um, but you, I, you talked a little bit about the the lumps of the season. Um, and I don't necessarily walk away with that feel like these are just lumps. I feel like this is second half of the season basketball in the Big 12. And we need our, our veteran leadership and just our veterans in general. Like we're an old team. We need that to kind of start showing. Um, it is really the challenge that I would put in, in front of yeah. our team
1: right now. All right, Ben, we appreciate you being with us again on Sun's Live. We'll talk with you next week. Want to see the bow tie?
4: Yeah, me too, man. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Ben.
1: All right, thanks, Ben. All right, they got the home game against Texas Tech, then on the road at Oklahoma State. Uh, that's next Wednesday. A uh, chance, Adam, to, to pick up a win or two. They got to defend the home court. <sighs>
0: Yeah, you need a home court win. It's not going to be easy. Texas Tech, obviously, a really good team. However, the sign just fell. Uh, However, they have struggled on the road, so maybe there's something to that, right? But they they are certainly a good team. And then you go to Oklahoma State, the team who's not exactly... You know, blowing the doors off the Big 12, so maybe there's a chance to sneak a road win at Oklahoma State. God, I hope so, because I have Oklahoma State in our little side bet. So I really need, uh, I really need that. Yeah.
1: This is a big week for you. You've been quiet. I'm out of teams. You've got the win, uh, Texas uh, over Texas Tech, and then a win at Oklahoma State. So you have a chance uh, to, to find. Always time, Trace. It's always time. Well, the race is heating up with uh, you know this, the last third of the season uh, here in the Big 12's regular season. Let's turn to Jeff Allen for a look at
5: what's going on. Number two, Houston still sits atop the Big 12 men's college basketball standings at a 10 and three clip. Right behind them, one game back, number six Iowa State at nine and four. A three-way tie for third between number nine Kansas, number 11 Baylor, and number 23 Texas Tech at eight and five. As far as the college schedule goes, on Saturday, those second-ranked Cougs take on number 11 Baylor. That'll be a a high noon tip on CBS West Virginia takes on number six, Iowa state two o'clock on ESPN two. number 25 BYU at Kansas state two o'clock on ESPN plus Cincinnati battles, TCU three o'clock on ESPN plus it'll be more bedlam, Oklahoma and Oklahoma state four o'clock. That'll be on ESPN two and Texas takes on Kansas six o'clock on ESPN. As far as the nights go, they will host number twenty-three Texas Tech. That'll be a four o'clock tip on ESPN Plus. And a quick check of the women's college basketball standings: quite a race going on there. Number twenty-three Oklahoma sits the top the conference at thirteen and two, three-way tie for second place between number five Texas, number twenty-two West Virginia, and number ten Kansas State, each a game back, game and a half back, rather at eleven and three. With your Big Twelve minutes, I'm Jeff Allen. <laughs>
1: I try not to look at the comments, but that tracksuit one—it's
0: it, impressive. <laughs> that's that's a good pull by Dolly. Consistently, week <laughs> in and week out, Dolly is uh, Dolly is always bringing it.
1: Well, we've got Texas Tech coming into the arena on Saturday, and we welcome back in the uh, a host of tortillas and takes uh, covering Texas Tech athletics, part of the Ten Twelve Network. Jeremy Gillen back with us on Sons of UCF Live. Jeremy, how you been?
3: Back with you. It's warmed up here in Lubbock. It's getting to baseball weather, so no fire roaring in the background this time. <laughs> I made sure of it. I'm also in the office rather than the living room. Just kind of keep it spicy for you guys, but it's been good. Wow. It's been good. Nice.
1: A couple of wins since you uh, you know got by UCF. Uh, how would you describe the stretch since uh, the Red Raiders saw the Knights?
3: Oh, man. Um, a lot of questions, and at this point, a lot of answers, and so we've really appreciated. We, we we lost our big man Warren Washington again. Hey, there he is,
1: the man of the hour. Um, it's been I'll all- be sure another part of the uh, tortillas intake team. Welcome into Suns Live.
3: There he is, Albert. Always ready, professional. Um, you got to hook up your mic, brother. Uh, so while he's getting ready, <laughs> while he's getting ready, um, and just feel to chime chime in whenever you get set, Albert. Uh, Warren Washington going down has been a big oof for Texas Tech, being our really only our true big guy, um, being able to defend the rim, uh, be in the paint. Uh, kind of wondering how we're gonna adjust our play there, and so. It's been kind of, it's been tough, you know, Iowa State was a really tough loss for us, but then being able to bounce back against TCU, adjusting to that play, having guys like Kyron Lindsay step up and kind of take that, take that step forward that we needed to them to, you know, we're not as worried right now as we were when Washington went down and, you know, he's got that foot injury right now. It's kind of like, well, you know, what can we do without him? Uh, Because that'll be really important come tournament time.
1: Albie, the the uh, Red Raiders have been dominant at home. Like a lot of big 12 teams struggle a little bit more on the road. What's your confidence factor coming to Orlando? Uh, my confidence factor
2: is about as confident as I was that I'd be able to join this call uh, without any hiccup. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I think the uh, I think tech right now is, is at an OK spot, right? Um, I think the team has is pl- is, is found a way to fight it out for every single win, right? So they know that no matter what situation that they're in, they can make magic happen. We had no business winning that last game against TC. No business whatsoever. So much so that one of our alumni got on Twitter, said we shouldn't have won, and then it caused the hope. Like, we had no we had no reason to win that game, but we still won it, right, without Warren Washington. So it's one of those things where now I think the team looks at it and says, all right, well, if we can win the game now without war Washington, it's a very good team at like TCU. We can win in any situation in any any factor. The problem is we've also seen the other way around, but they can also lose any game possible. So, you know, my confidence factor, I would say if uh, – give it like a, a, a seven, right, if we're doing it by the the grading scale, like the normal schoolyard grading scale of like seven being passing. i give it like a seven in that, you know – it could we, we could be good with or without Warren Washington, but also I know with or without Warren Washington, we could also get beat at home by Cincinnati.
3: I so. think we believe most in McCaslin, I think is what it boils down to.
0: Well, Jeremy, let me ask this question. Last time we played <laughs> Texas Tech, I know there's I know Pop Isaacs gets a lot of uh, a lot of pub in a Washington's a lot of pub, but it, w- it was really Darian Williams who killed us. And he's averaging 10 points, 43 percent from three, seven boards. How How important has he been to this Texas Tech team? Darian Williams has stepped up uh, in a way that, you know, early in the season, we saw
3: him kind of as a peripheral off the bench guy. We weren't really paying attention. We had guys like Devin Gambridge who were uh, becoming electric before the season ending injury. Um, Warren Washington during conference play, becoming the player we wanted him to be. Um, You know, the focus was not on Darian Williams at all. You know, he was an adequate ball player, enough to be on the squad for sure. But his role has dramatically increased as of late. And, Albert, I'll let you talk a little bit on that. But, like, I think that he's just slowly and confidently – assumed more of a scoring leadership. Like, you know, if Pop's not doing well, you know, Darian is not afraid to take a shot. And he's taken a lot of really – he has a really good shot selection thus far that's made him kind of a reliable guy whenever one of our more main guys are not
2: feeling up to it. Yeah, because the guy – well, I'll say this. Devin Cambridge going down early in the year was a huge loss.
3: Stopped us from getting the natty. You know, it is what it is. (laughs)
2: It, it is what it is. He, well, it was a, it was a really big loss, and it was a big question of who's gonna st- who's gonna be the guy to fill his shoes. And almost immediately, Darren Williams, you know, kind of rose his hand and said, "Hey, coach, I can be that guy." And he's done a good job of filling in the roles of being the do, to do everything. The difference I think between earlier in the season, the beginning of conference play, and now is that now he can really t- he's really taken a big offensive step because, like Jeremy was saying, you got you know Pop has been a You know, Pop's kind of the star offensively, even in the shooting struggles. But you got Pop, Chance McMillan's really taking that six man role of still also being a great scorer. But when we've needed other buckets to come elsewhere from the perimeter, you can rely on Darren Williams to just take smart shots, to just say, hey, I'm going to take the mid range shot because it's given to me. Hey, I'm going to do the thing like driving into the lane. And that's the reason why also his field goal percentage is so high, because he's not going to chuck it up like Pop and and, uh, McMillan will. He's just going to do the smart play, make the smart play, take the smart position, the shot. He's a coach's dream in that you're not going to really be yelling at him on the sideline very often. You, know, you might yell at Pop and Chance a little bit and Warren a little bit, but you're not going to really yell at Darian because he usually makes the smart play. And what happened the other day where he put up 34 points is just he got hella hot. He started making a few uh, smart shots, and then he's like, let me let me try a three. And it worked. Let me try a contest three. And it worked. Before you know it, he couldn't miss. Like, he yeah, could have made it. He could have tried a half court shot in one way. Couldn't miss.
0: One of our Couple faithful ago, listeners,
2: tech,
0: uh, sorry, yeah. Jason, one of our fa- wants to know uh, why don't they toss tortillas at basketball games? I, a, I don't know if that's true or not. You guys can tell me that. But B, if it is true, why don't we toss tortillas at basketball games?
2: People have. <laughs> <laughs> have, you know, uh, mostly because it's a court. That's it's really the biggest, the biggest reason. It's harder, to that's the it's the it's harder to clean up. The impediment, Albie, is because to clean court. You know, I just, do they toss the tortillas
1: at, at other sports? Then baseball, soccer yeah, other sports? Not really. It's, it's a football.
2: Thing. People have. It's not a big thing. It's not. A, yeah. It's not as much of a thing. I will say, when I was at Tech, we didn't throw tortillas. Funny enough, two thousands, late two thousands, we did not throw tortillas. Um, it made a. It was a. It was. Or I think when it actually started, I think it started when the '90s, Jeremy.
3: Yeah, late '80s. It started in the yeah, '90s.
2: It was a thing for a little bit, went away for like 15, 20 years, and then in the early 2010s, <laughs> the student the student body was like, you know what? Let's bring that back.
3: Let's try that again. <laughs>
2: let's, let's, let's bring that back. And then it's been a, and it's been you know a strong thing ever since. I didn't enjoy tortilla tossing when I was an undergrad. I was <laughs> it, it, it. I completely you know went went away for me, and then I come back. You know, maybe like 2014, 2015. And I'm like, oh, you kids are doing something new. I like
1: nah, it. Cool. Yeah.
2: Now how might now how were you putting those tortillas? How you get them in the stadium?
1: Oh, never <laughs> <mind>. <laughs> security just looks the other way
6: on this. No, they <laughs> don't. That's, brain that's brain. the
2: problem. No, they, they don't. I tell people all the time, do not eat the tortillas. Don't put them in your mouth. I think I can't remember what player did this after they beat Tech. In it was Lubbock. Oklahoma State. Yeah, they decided to put it in their mouth. I'm like, that is on you, okay? Because you can't bring them in the stadium. <laughs> And security, I think they're a lot more lenient now than they used to be. But they used to have, make you throw it away, which means that you have to find a way to get it in the stadium without security knowing. And there's only a few ways to do that. Yeah, playing.
1: let's not ponder. Let's not ponder. <laughs> <laughs> you put the um, in the sad. game a couple of weeks ago. Tech led, wire to wire. But what most impressed you guys about the way UCF played that game, Albert?
2: So I will say here, um, I, got a, I got a confession to make to you guys. You know, uh more friends here, right? Earlier in the season, we were, Jeremy and I, were talking about the teams in basketball. I'm, I'm throwing you in this, okay? I'm not going by myself, Jeremy. Um, we're talking about the teams in the Big 12, and we were saying, and I want to say this before we play Houston, we were saying that, you know, Houston being one of the better teams, and, you know, Houston and Kansas and, and Iowa State, and it's not like, the you know, it's we're gonna have to prepare for this team as opposed to like playing a team like you right? I made those That was an actual line on one of your shows uh, that was a line on one of my shows earlier in the season. Okay, give me cr- grace, it was early in the season. <laughs> I thought y'all were gonna suck. I'm not gonna lie to you. There. I have, however, since then, so so months. did a
1: lot of our fans, <laughs> just so you're yeah, it was
2: like <laughs> maybe two months ago to be fair, so actually, it was before the Juicy game, early and. Since then, I have walked back those comments quite a bit. Actually, I want to say – I'll tell you exactly when this statement was made, before y'all played Kansas, because I made a joke about y'all getting whooped by Kansas, and then you beat Kansas, right? So, since that, since that time, I've actually uh, not only watched more UCF basketball, but also been very impressed by the job that Dawkins and company uh, has done. I think your team in that game against us – I will say this is at a home game and, you know, and we are much.
0: We'll never know. <laughs> Walking back, <laughs> Albie. You cut out.
2: Well,
1: he was worried about the technical issues going in. Now you uh, see what I deal with. (laughs) Uh, We've all been there. Let's uh, wrap up with this one, Jeremy. uh, Tech (laughs) gets out of Orlando with a win if what happens.
3: Um, so kind of the key that Albert was honing into earlier with TCU that we really had no business winning the difference in that game was Chiron Lindsay. So Kyron Lindsay transferred to Texas tech from Georgia and was seen as kind of, he was, I think as a high four-star when he was recruited out of high school was seen as, you know, everybody likes to get a high star transfer. And the frame on this, he's a very large human being and certainly has uh, a lot of upside but when he was kind of <laughs> write down everything you said put it up to the camera alley um <laughs> When he came to Tech, we just never saw him. And there was this big conspiracy and like a fuffle like, hey, like I think him and McCaslin are beefing because he won't give Kyron minutes like, free Kyron Lindsay. And then there was a, a post that Kyron had of his, like he was um, sitting in his locker, but his feet were on his jersey, right? And so people were like, oh, he's disrespecting the university, all this stuff. Um, but the noise was just noise. And so with Warren Washington going down, we kind of shifted towards Robert Jennings being the guy. But Robert Jennings really hasn't been a good rebounder for us, a consistent rebounder. Uh, He's been not too much of a liability, but enough to get Chiron minutes. And so when Lindsey played this last game against TCU, he showed a lot of really good IQ along the way. And the reason that we won that game is because Lindsey battles for the ball under the basket. He is an excellent rebounder, and he is like the, for my opinion, he's the only guy who's wanting to box out, and we need that desperately. And so, with Kyron on the floor, our 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 offense just operates differently. Uh, we're able to like put up better screens. Our defense is a lot more efficient at getting rebounds. Tech gets out of Tech gets out of Orlando if Kyron Lindsey has a, a decent game, for sure.
2: I know a lot of y'all. tech he's Final word. Whoa. <laughs> Boy, we get we get out of Orlando if we just rebound, really. Hey, story of this season. It's like, we just got to rebound. We can't rebound to save our lives. If we win the rebounding battle, we're going to win the game. I, I'll, I'll put it like that. Um, if we – the rebounding – I mean, we I want to say we've lost almost every rebounding battle in this conference season. We rarely win it. And so that's uh, that's going to be key number one. I will say when we got ranked, I was scared about this game. Mm. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, there, <laughs> there it is. UCF is – They're going to have us on the crosshairs there with us being ranked now. If we were unranked, we'd beat y'all. But now now we're ranked, it's it's too late. We're good. Yeah, see, we're scared,
1: but for different reasons. Uh, (laughs) Jeremy and Alby, tortillas and takes, part of the Ten Twelve network. We thank you guys for joining us. and Let's see if uh, UCF can even the score this year in basketball at least. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. All right, Adam, what's your confidence factor? Four-game losing streak. Does it get snapped against the Red Raiders on Saturday?
0: I'm gonna go yes, why not? I mean, I have no confidence. You got confidence. the game in
1: the draft. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I actually don't have this game, do I? Yeah. Oh, then I do have confidence. Yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah, I mean, look, I might as well say yes, right? I mean, it's it's you know, it's gotta it's gotta get broken at some time, yes. Why not now? I mean, maybe.
1: If not now,
3: when?
0: when? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right, time for some news and notes. It is time for news and notes, right? You're right. And I should probably do this.
1: Storming Hotzel Nick, let's go around the kingdom. Thank you, Stormy. Softball out at the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic in California. They drop a two-one game earlier Thursday afternoon to number 18 Mississippi State. They just lost four three to number twenty-three Oregon. That's two losses on this trip. And Eric Lopez, the voice of UCS softball points out nights at six and four, all four losses by one run. Uh, in each game up next Friday, number eight, Missouri, and then a game against Oregon State Saturday, number five, Tennessee, and then a game against San Diego. They return home Wednesday against North Florida, six o'clock at UCF. I know Elo was looking for a couple of wins there, maybe a split of the, uh, the collegiate classic, Mary Nutter collegiate classic. And so many of those games got rained out over in Clearwater. So uh, it'd be nice if they could get some wins out west. Uh, baseball upends Miami four three in a midweek game. They moved to two and zero. Of course, two of the games last weekend, Dash, Knights return home weekend series against Samford, 6 o'clock Friday, 6 o'clock Saturday, 1 o'clock Sunday. A lot of people can go to that game after the basketball game on Saturday. Women's basketball uh, struggles continue. Oklahoma State with a win, 67-54 over the Knights. Kansas State beat them 60-58. Knights 3-12 and in conference play, uh, 12-13 and overall on the season. Uh, they are home Saturday against number five, Texas. And then uh, Kansas for Senior Night on Wednesday. You mentioned it earlier around the kingdom, mixing it up with the voice of UCF softball, Eric Lopez. Uh, let's have a clip. I think teams have done some research there to kind of make their bigs play outside the rim. Um, look, this is this conference is brutal, and I just I'm worried that it sooner or
5: later this league was going to get you. And right now UCF's getting beat up by this league, kind of like we saw with volleyball in the fall. Eventually, it takes its toll, and I'm worried that this
1: team has, take, now has taken now is taking its toll of this gauntlet of a schedule that this no UCF basketball team has ever played a schedule uh, this consecutive many games uh, as with quality like this team is in the Big Twelve. It is the gauntlet. I would just argue that it's been a gauntlet all season for the Knights. Uh, you can catch as Lopez' eye on around the kingdom. Uh, right now up on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel. Back to a little football before we get to Clay's Corner. I ask, uh, as we uh, continue polling on what you think of each position group as we get closer to the start of spring camp here in a couple of weeks, linebackers in 2023, I didn't even list it as an A, uh, Adam, 40% with the D, 18% with the F, 32% with the C. You know, Jason Johnson gave you everything he had. I I feel like I'm a a C on that position group. I feel like you got as much as you could possibly get out of Jason Johnson, and uh, I hate to give a D or an F.
0: Yeah, maybe biased because we had Jason and Walter Yates, the third on the podcast, (laughs) Uh, the two leading tacklers for UCF last year, maybe because that's kind of the way things worked, and obviously uh, linebacker play wasn't a hallmark of the defense, but I want to go like C-minus. I think really what the problem was the depth, right? If, if one of those two guys had to come off the field, I think that's where we struggled yeah. with with depth. I think Ryan Davis, Isaiah Paul, you know, weren't the players I think we we hoped they would be. Cam Moore, still a young player coming into the game, so I think the depth was really what hurt UCF in the linebacker core. I and
1: mean, we've talked about it, right? With the quarterback, at KJ Jefferson is on paper, right, and through his work so far, uh, looks better than John Rice Plumley. What the Knights have brought in through the portal. There seems to be improvement in the offing, but will it be enough uh, in the very competitive Big 12? Uh, UCF losing at West Virginia in basketball. Remember when the Knights were in the midst of that four-game losing streak and uh, West Virginia came to town in football for homecoming? Uh, I think a lot of Knights fans thought that was going to be a win. Let's revisit that with Clay Pasco in Clay's Corner.
6: Week 9 against West Virginia. West Virginia goes on the board early by quarterback keeping to the end zone. UCF responds by throwing the ball into double coverage to Kobe Hudson, who still comes down with it. On third down, Demar Henderson gets a pass interference penalty to give the Mountaineers a first down. Defense holds up, and West Virginia settles for a field goal. JRP throws the ball off to Javon Baker, and the ball bounces off his cleat and is picked off by the West Virginia defense. This is also the play that people watching thought that the commentator dropped an F-bomb.
4: What a funky interception that was!
6: West Virginia uses the interception to score on us again to go up 17. RJ Harvey with his trademark big boy run to get a huge gain. In the red zone, JRP quarterback keeps for a touchdown to make the score 17-14. West Virginia then tries pitching the ball to their running back, who drops it and gives it to Damari Henderson. Both teams end up going 3-0 to end the first half. Knights get the ball back to start the second half, and JRP confuses the West Virginia defense for one of his receivers. JRP just might be colorblind. Again, West Virginia uses this turnover to put up more points, changing the score to 24-14. UCF finally responds, and this stunning catch is made by Javon Baker. The catch goes under review, and the catch stands. However, Plumlee gets completely obliterated and fumbles the ball to the defense. The Knights get the ball back to West Virginia, and they march down the field and score with an open run-in. Jerry P throws a questionable ball to Jared Baker, and we end up going for it on fourth down, where it's thrown to Alec Holler, and no good. West Virginia gets into the end zone, but a holding penalty makes it come back, so they end up settling for a field goal. With a minute left, Kobe Hudson gets the nice Knights one more touchdown to make the final score, 41-28. to <laughs> The uh,
1: the alleged F-bomb. Do you think you can clip that? We could use that as a sounder at some point, just drop that in from time to time. <laughs> like-
0: I, could, I I completely blocked that game out for many reasons. One of which was probably that's the time I think we all hung out in the cabana. Uh, but I forgot how bad that game was. That sucked. My God,
1: was that uh, was that the game I ran into Mike after the game over Burger U when he yes. and he saw me like trades?
0: <laughs> that's the game where Shaq said West Virginia dies today, and then we got <laughs> our ass kicked.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, that's right. Well, it is that time again. Which intro are we using
2: this week?
0: No, we're going with the the best one, Trace.
5: So it's a mailbag. So what?
2: So what? Do you know whose mailbag
1: that is? It's that time again. Time to open the Brian W. Peterson Sons of UCF mailbag. Oh, hell yeah. Uh. So that's never
0: going to go away. So no, why would it go away? No,
1: nah, I like the Seinfeld. I didn't give Dolly enough credit for that last week. That's a that's
0: a big pull too because I don't know that's a that's a deep cut. You have to know that's there. It isn't like a prominent uh, part of the episode. That's a that's a really deep cut by Dolly. Yeah,
1: a, a lot of credit to Dolly on that one. Uh, I was there's so many buttons to push a lot of credit to you for all you do behind the scenes uh, not only on suns live but all of the the sun's productions uh it's it's a challenge running everything i was paying attention to the comments it may have been robert who said i think he's reading the comments right i was trying to read the comments. i'm trying to read a lot of things going on at the same oh, lots time stuff to read. <laughs> all right uh, mailbag time at jim underscore accosted uh why is rj harvey taken so lightly basically ignored national pollsters podcasters alike uh there should be no running back conversation with R- out rj harvey and I, you know i think a lot of this still speaks to the brand and ucf is not a big enough brand to be in that conversation in the big 12. Uh, i think that we've always been at our best when that chip on the shoulder and the underdog and and i think that's just going to fuel rj harvey you can tell with some of the comments that he makes on social media he doesn't care for being ignored either but i, I kind of like it a little bit at this point
0: yeah, I think, honestly, it's a direct reflection of the season we had last year, right? UCF wasn't obviously a a, a a team that was contending. I think you get forgotten about it. You assume it's just garbage time, touchdowns, all that good stuff. So I think a better UCF team with a better record, R.J. Harvey gets the credit he deserves.
1: At Riley Carey 16, what do you think? Or who do you think, brother, starts a quarterback in 2025, Colson or Trujillo? Uh, what I like about that question, though, is that it's not the mystery transfer portal <laughs> quarterback to be named later, right? Um, who yeah. knows, uh, who knows uh, a lot of upside with both of these guys, but I do like the idea of homegrown guy, uh, getting the nod.
0: I mean, the coaches seem really high on, on, an uh, EJ Colson. I guess we're, all, we're counting out Dylan risk. I guess. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for your service. I guess we're counting out. I think Timmy McClain would still have a year. So T Y F Y S to Timmy McClain as well. So I guess we're counting those two guys out. Give me Colson because I have to pick somebody
1: grill in 24 Q. Uh, asking about, uh, you know, Again, possibly yeah. FSU leaving the ACC, which I thought was interesting that they opened the door of possibility that they might be able to negotiate an exit fee. But he's asking, uh, what do you think uh, the Big 12 may add? Do, do, you, do you keep expanding? Do you, do you try and pluck some of the ACC schools? I, I saw another article that said it's not good for the Big 12 if these leagues keep disintegrating, right? Then you're, you know, maybe you could lost in the shuffle too. I don't know. Is there, is it going to be a super three if you just dis- dismantle the ACC? Uh,
0: I mean, I think Brett, Yormark is famously saying the big 12 was open for business. I don't, I don't suspect any reason why he would change that stance. <laughs> I think we talked earlier, you know, the, the SEC and the big 10 are clearly trying to separate themselves out. If you're your market, you can grab a Miami, you can grab a, you know, a North Carolina schools that have a little bit of name cache and try to get yourself into making it a big three, I think I think your mark's proven he is a uh, he's an aggressive deal maker. I don't see why he would stop, and I don't see why he wouldn't go after some of those bigger brands.
1: At Black Gold underscored in honor of the great Toby Keith, do you wish you didn't know now what you didn't know then about men's basketball? I'm not as familiar with Toby Keith's work, uh, but
0: uh, <laughs> interesting question. Fun fact: I couldn't I couldn't name a Toby Keith song if you gave me a CD that said Toby Keith on. Do they make CDs anymore? By the way, uh, so. I mean, look, I think we all thought that the team was going to be a little bit better than maybe we anticipated, but we also had super low expectations, right? Mm -hmm. So, but I think from, you know, I've been pounding the drum from the the beginning of the year that this team was going to be about vibes. They're going to have some fun. Let's enjoy the ride. We're going to be in some games. And I think, you know, all things considered, if I told you this was the season we'd have it, although the win loss record won't be where we want it to be. There's been there's been games where you have to watch the full forty minutes, right? That's right. And I think there were times where we thought sixteen minutes in, we'd be turning our TVs off and going out and mowing the lawn. And you got to watch the full forty minutes now and see how UCF loses, unfortunately. But it still keeps you captivated and at least gives you some hope that um, you know maybe just maybe this uh, this team can take a trend upward at some point.
1: At Cass City, Jay asking this question before UCF's game at West Virginia. Six men's basketball games left. Two of them being against the only teams below. UCF and the standing school. UCF win two out of the next six. Well, they lost the opportunity at West Virginia. They've got the game at Oklahoma State. It's tough. It's tough. They, could, you know, TCU just took Texas, Texas Tech to the wire. None of them are easy uh they they could lose all of them they could win some of them I I don't think we know I just think they're going to be in games and they're going to start off rough right
0: I really I really need them to trace because I I I still have a chance to win our side bet here so I need them to win two of these next three games because I have Oklahoma State Texas Tech and TCU oddly enough so I need them to win two of these games so God I hope so Cassidy uh
1: at OJT feuds wanted to talk about Cam Leiter pitcher of the week and it looks like exactly the kind of guy the Knights could use. Oh, you ain't kidding me. He had what 13 Ks uh, in the uh, FSU opener. Do you see an ace emerging on this team? That's a good question to ask Michael at Emptiness. By the way, doing great work with his articles uh, recapping the games, well, game, over the weekend with the rainouts, but previewing ahead, uh, find that on Sons of UCF YouTube channel. Oh, not YouTube channel, the the website. Maybe um, one day, Trace. <laughs> It's it's too soon. It's too soon to say any of these things.
0: We haven't seen enough credit for them. Yeah, Yeah, we haven't seen enough baseball yet. We've seen too many rain clouds. Also, I found out I don't think Michael likes me calling his column the cup check report. Uh, I asked him if you want to change it. He was like, yeah, maybe so uh, stay tuned. Maybe coming soon. uh, Something other than the cup check report. Uh, people like that though but, i thought so too uh, yeah i was told recently i was I, told recently i had, recently I had to up my up my game in terms of uh, flashy <laughs> headlines and clickbait so i'm trying everything i can here
1: i'm trying to encourage michael to join us on the live show and talk baseball so all of you in the chat you know uh encourage okay
0: michael all right cup check it, it, stays. it stays it's that you guys all read that right now it stays <laughs> more than you know michael (laughs) more than you know buddy
1: (laughs) (laughs) at golden knight underscore the second what's the dumbest rule in any college pro sport that is still used today that's a good question i still think these well college overtime to me is dumb with a going for safeties uh thing i don't like that i think that's silliness
0: i don't like the spot foul on pass interference Right, because basically you just chuck it up and get a penalty and you get ninety-two yards, right? Because if you get the ball where the with the spot with the foul was. And then illegal hands, illegal contacts, only five yards and a first down. I think we gotta we gotta regulate that stuff on the football side. I also don't like the fact that you can't advance a fumble off a punt. I think UCF have had that issue in maybe the Fiesta ball in twenty eighteen. I think it was Denard not Denard span. Uh somebody with the last time was span, number eighty three. Literally like LSU fumbled and muffed it right to him and he ran it in, and apparently you can't do that. We gotta change that rule. If you can't catch, that's like not my.
1: That. When the quarterback snaps the ball, throws it into the ground. But that's not grounding. <laughs> Throw it out. Throw it out of the field. There there will be grounding involved in that. That's like when you spike it right into the ground, not grounding. Uh, add two letters, to words. Robert, has someone offered you enough money to cover the cost of your season tickets in exchange for just your tickets to one of those games? Do you take it even if it's the biggest game or opponent of the year? I think some Knights fans uh, may deliberate that when it comes to Colorado coming to town about selling uh, tickets to make. I'm in. Fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> sounds like a good deal to me. I got a TV. I got, I got a refrigerator. It sounds good to me.
1: Mm, there you go. Uh, I can't remember, you know, I forgot to put who asked this question. You remember who asked this question? I copied the question. I forgot to copy who, uh, who sent it in with all the Frankie Valley hate. will UCF, you be better serve playing the Lauren Hill version of can't take my eyes off of you. Could night nation. Make this compromise or is this still grasping in the air? I, I, I don't, uh, I don't think that song fits at all.
0: That's a hard no.
1: It doesn't matter to me who's uh, who's playing it.
0: Yeah, it's a hard no. I'm looking Did uh, You want to filibuster here, sure here while player. you roll through the Randy. Randy. Thanks, Randy. Yeah. Randy UCF yeah, Randy. or Randy Polito?
1: Randy Polito.
0: I love you, Randy. Randy
1: uh, Nightfan94, what's your favorite movie theater snack versus game day stadium snack?
0: Uh, I'm is, not a candy I'm guy, so... Concessions. I'm not a candy guy, so movie, I guess popcorn uh, game day... Beer count. <laughs> That's probably probably my most purchased item at a uh, at a sporting event would be beer. Second, I love a good nacho. If it's a, I don't like that, you know, like that that squeeze cheese situation. But if it's a decent nacho, I'm good with that.
1: Have you ever bought popcorn at a sporting event or UCF camp?
0: Uh, I don't think I have. It's very possible I purchased it for a child of mine, but I don't think I've ever partaken in popcorn at a sporting event.
1: And um, have you bought beer at a movie theater? I, mean, they got I have and- not
0: I, a lot of movie theaters have that I have not gotten to that level of degeneracy yet where I need a, a, a tall boy while I'm watching Barbie I feel like it's coming in a day now but I actually have not because like then I got to get up and get another one and I got to pee I mean it's just a lot of stuff I, yeah not yet but coming soon probably I also don't go to the movies that much because it's like 22 bucks for a ticket I got a TV I'm good
1: that is the uh, mailbag, and now our new segment. I liked you on tape last week, but even better live. Adam, what All is right, in the box?
0: Is this here. still a sponsored segment? Well, it certainly is, Trace. Charlie <laughs> Hustle, by the way. Promo <laughs> code TEN1215 <laughs> if you need any gear uh, from Charlie Hustle. the got great UCF stuff. So we've added some new stuff in here, Trace. Let me rummage. I love a good rummage here. All right, and these are stapled. Can can I make a
1: suggestion on this?
0: uh, That perhaps your lovely wife and your children
1: might throw questions into the box to surprise
0: you. How do you know that hasn't happened? These are stapled, so I don't even really know that I know what it is. Um, All right, here we go, Trace. The dumbest way you've ever injured yourself.
1: (laughs) The dumbest way. Um, uh, Tennessee... Uh, I was in Tennessee, and it was on this—I uh, don't know how to describe it—like go karts down this slide, the cement slide. I was racing my sister, and I flipped the uh, cart on the slide and sort of slid on my arms and part of my face. So that's when I worked in television, so that was I was off the air for a few days, recovering <laughs> from that situation. I, I tore my ACL playing ultimate frisbee. That that didn't that, and that, part of Sorry. that story. of that story is i caught the uh, the the frisbee and we scored and i could feel my knee give out and guys came over to lift me up after i fell but i had landed in a fire ant pile so i felt immense pain in my knee and i was being bitten by ants all at the same time so that was that was not good
0: um we buried the lead there uh ultimate frisbee do we have any video of this uh were you any good like were you? I caught that
1: score. I, I, know, that. I don't know that I was any good. I, I, I'm
0: not really okay. good
1: at anything, but I'll try. <laughs> Fair
0: enough. Um, I have two options. One's more embarrassing than dumb. And I was in high school. I uh, uh, I was playing basketball. I had uh, cherry picked and not got back on defense. And my team got a steal and threw it down to me because I had, of course, cherry picked. And I, uh, I took two steps. So one off my, I guess, left foot. And then I went to my right foot, and it gave out, and I broke my ankle on a wide-open layup with nobody anywhere near me. That's probably the dumb one. The most embarrassing one was, oh man, circa 2005, I think. I'd gone out for a nice jog, Trace. It was, a, it was a hot, sweaty afternoon in actual South Florida. Gone out for a nice jog, and I, I lived in a gated community at that point. And I uh, was really trying to, to finish this thing up. I was gassed. I wanted to get home. I had just probably a half mile to go. And as I turned into the community where I lived, a car also turned in at the exact same Ooh. time. But the car has to stop at the gate to get waved through by the security guy. So I said to myself, I need a challenge here. I'm racing this car to the stop <laughs> sign, right? So I start just booking it down the sidewalk, man. I'm, I'm going to beat this car. I see the gate swing mm-hmm. open unbeknownst to your boy here, the sidewalk was less than level and there was a little bit of a corner that was up above the other one. And uh, we had that corner went flying head over heels, fell to the ground, scraped the knee, scraped the elbow, scraped everything. I walked back in my house, uh, you know, several moments later after that, my wife said, I thought you went running. What happened to you? And I had to try to find a way to explain to her that I was racing a car and it ended just like you would expect somebody racing a car would end.
1: Oh, That one sounds painful. You know, I thought of another one when I was a kid. We had a perfect uh, yard for football, and we had these two trees that would line up great as goalposts. And I caught a pass into the tree, and I sprained—thankfully, just sprained—but I I caught the pass and then ran right into the tree with both my wrists. That was was not good. Well, this is why I became sports editor of the Central Florida Future, now part of the Suns UCF, because there's too many, too many sports-related injuries.
0: Uh, yeah, listen, I, uh, I've broken every finger on this hand. Uh, this one's still crooked a little bit. Not trying to give you guys the finger broken both ankles <laughs> twice, uh, uh, both, uh, wrist twice. Uh, you see if Mike was there for a bunch of these too, so he can, he can vouch for my various injuries. Uh, Lauren right. wants more stories, Trace. You want another question on the box? I mean, the audience is asking for more questions. <laughs> no, no. That's, yeah, okay. That's a, All that's right. Enough. Okay. That's
1: enough for one I... I tried, but Lauren. Send I in, tried. Send in your questions. Lauren, send in random questions. We'll throw them in the box. And was that one of yours, or uh, was that uh, from somebody in the Eaton household?
0: I think it's mine. It's It's got my handwriting, so it must be me. Okay.
1: All right, well, it's been fun. I want to thank the guys at uh, Tortillas and Takes and, of course, Ben Hazel for being with us. Let's see if the Knights can snap this four-game losing streak at home. Baseball back, softball. Trying to get some wins out at the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic. Uh, catch Around the Kingdom on the Suns' YouTube channel and Michael's article right now on com. Thank you, Adam. Welcome back to Suns Live. I'm Trey Strelko. Go Knights, everyone.
0: Charge John says this fella. Dalen Dotson, defensive end. Thank you for watching the Suns of UCF. It's a name to watch, is your trace. It's a, it's a name to watch. Yeah, I agree. I like I
1: agree. that. Game. I like that name too.
5: Sports social podcast network.
6: With lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This
2: is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to
1: circle up here a while
2: and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.